Happy New Year, Cozy Zone friends. Ben Weber here. I'm sitting in my room. The radiator is hissing. Uh, It's chilly, finally, here in Brooklyn. Um, But not to worry, our our radiator is is spitting away. Um, The room's a bit of a mess right now. There's There's a suitcase, my suitcase open. Nicolette's backpack is is strewn in a corner. We were just on vacation in California. We went to visit Nicolette's family in San Diego. We visited friends in LA, and we had a magical camping trip uh, in Big Sur. And here we are, coming back into the fray of Brooklyn, uh, feeling very relaxed and recharged. You know, I, I have to say, I uh, there's a bit of dread in my heart, uh, getting back into work, into the the swing of things. Um, I am I am trying to breathe through it. I am trying to let go, put my best self forward. Uh, my my New Year's resolution, my my theme word for the year is shine. And no, not that, that video or the movie with Jeffrey Rush uh, where he, is, you know, is severely mentally ill and has that abusive father. No. Shine. When I say shine, I mean how, how can I let my inner light that is definitely there out into the world, how can I unabashedly be my best self and share that with the people that I know, people that I don't know, uh, I just I wanna I wanna do good this year, friends. I wanna be good. I wanna I wanna be my best self, and I want to not get in my own way. I want to get out of my own way. I want to be fantastic. I want to shine. Um, hopefully, Cozy Zone will reflect that. I I think it will. I I have a lot of a lot of confidence. Um, you know, it was wonderful being in California. I I took a lot of really meaningful walks. Um, I, I went to Griffith Observatory with my friend Max in L.A. You may remember him from the bath uh, in, in Max the Boy episode of, of Cozy Zone. Uh, and we talked about all of the feelings about, about future fatherhood, about polyamory, about you know where to put down roots we we got up to Griffith Observatory. We went sort of an off-road way, uh, really a serious hike in the middle of an of, uh, urban area like L.A., which is always fascinating. Uh, and we got up there, and it was around sunset, and it was packed just like Times Square is packed on a daily basis. There, it was wall-to-wall people. Everyone was there sort of, uh, you know, just jammed in there trying to enjoy... Uh, the the high ground, the view from the city, from this incredible uh, structure in L.A. 
Um, and you, you couldn't move through the space without just brushing against people, which I thought was fascinating. And usually, in my experience, L.A. is a, is a land of big open spaces of quietness. You never see that many people in one space together, which was fascinating. And Max loves this. He loves the fray of people. He, he said to me that, you know, he, he really appreciated everyone being there for the same purpose to, to experience this beauty. And I was like, oh, God, this is horrible. I, I don't like this. Uh, and it's like, it, Max, it's just like Times Square. I work in Times Square. I hate it there. It's it just, it gets me down. And he, he said to me, well, you know, people go to Times Square so that they can touch the soul of New York City. And at that moment, sort of everything, all of my, my disgust and hatred for that place kind of melted away. And I, I, I was struck by the poetry of this phrase. Um, and, you know, it, it made me think, well, it, it made me reevaluate what Times Square is, what my daily commute means. And so every day, I, I guess I, I go into, into the place, into the, the nerve ending where people from around the globe go to touch the soul of New York. And it's a, the soul of New York is, is transcendent and beautiful and filled with arts and history and, frankly, a little gross and quite, quite disgusting, frankly. Thanks, Max, for, for, for helping me reimagine that. Um, we, I went on another hike uh, in Big Sur, of course. You know, we were driving up there, seeing all these whale spouts. I saw a breaching whale. Uh, there's something about looking at whales that just makes everything feel right. You know, it, it feels sort of silly that there's an entire industry about watching whales. But really, when you watch a whale, I don't know, you just feel... You feel connected to the universe. You feel your own insignificance, your own humbleness in the in the the presence of these creatures who who essentially own the ocean we are these fragile you know water soluble creatures and we you know we're trying not to drown we build boats we have scuba gear we we have all of these 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 uh, tools and apparatuses to help us conquer the ocean but it is not easeful for us and these mighty whales that is their life it is easeful they they thrive in this punishing environment, uh, and just to see them do their thing is is very moving and very poetic, and and just fills me with with serenity and and hope for all of us. Um, and so so we went with uh, Nicolette and I went camping with Chelsea and her two kids, Ellen Quinton. Uh, Quinton is seven and Ella is nine, and they are they are delightful bunch of children and we wanted to take them on a hike um and so we we looked on our little phones and we were like oh this looks like a good hike it looks like it's right near our our campground so we walked for i would say two and a half miles on highway one which is not friendly for pedestrians and you know these these kids were were sort of going on on the these side of the road with metal barricades and and this thin little walkway on a on a bridge and it was very scary it was scary for me to walk along the road like this like you know like a strange hitchhiker a beat hitchhiker 
Uh, but the kids, you know, these are young kids, and, and you fear for their safety always. And so we finally made it. We, we, found, we found a great hike. We found a beautiful waterfall. Uh, Quentin found some great walking sticks. Uh, we took some great photos. Um, but we weren't going to make the kids walk back. So Chelsea and I decided to make the two-and-a-half-mile walk uh, back to our campsite where we had parked our car to, to pick Nicolette and the kids up after after the hike, and they could enjoy some hot chocolate, because it was actually a little cold. And what was really wonderful is, you know, I had been pretty quiet during this whole trip. I, I'm, I'm in a phase where I can't really do a lot of small talk. Um, and so Chelsea and I really got into it. You know, we, we were talking about feelings and talking about family and how do you negotiate your relationship as an adult child uh, of someone and, and how can you navigate your feelings about your parents. Um, you know, in, in you're trying to live your own life. She's a parent herself. Uh, and how do you, you know, uh, incorporate advice or, or words spoken by other parents. Uh, and it's very complicated and it's very fraught. Um, and it was it was a relief to talk about because you know I myself am struggling with renegotiating the relationship I'm having with my parents, and this is maybe evident, but but definitely uh, frames the experience of today's cozy zone episode thirty six, Sally Weber on the cozy couch. So I went home. Uh, as you may remember, to experience my father's graduation dinner at Brazed. And uh, when I was home, I got to do a cozy zone with my mom, and she chose our living room couch, which we're naming the cozy couch. And we we got into it. We talked. We did a cozy zone. Um, you know, and just to say, you know, it is it is difficult, the relationship between a mother and a son, you know, you, you're born out of the body of this woman and she helps you survive in your most vulnerable time of life. And then you grow up, you gain consciousness, you, you defy her, you, you try and be your own person. And that, that process is very taxing for both parties. Um, and I, you know, I am trying to figure out exactly who I am, uh, and who my mother is, and how to negotiate these two separate beings, you know, moving through this existence together. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a long, long process. I, I chew on it a lot in therapy. And, uh, you know, I, I think, I think this, this cozy zone was certainly an exercise in trying to get to know my mother a little better, to try and get to know myself in terms of my mother, to see what feelings came up, to try and be, you know, a good host uh, of a podcast, but also, you know, a curious son uh, who, you know, has experienced pain and sadness and joy and, and all sorts of feelings uh, as a child. Um, and you know, I, I, it was really important for me to, to hear my mother say why she's proud of me. That was something I needed to ask. And, and my mom gave a really lovely answer. She, she did beautiful readings of some children's books because she loves children's books. Um, yeah. And you know, it was, um, 
it was a very intense but but satisfying experience. I hope it marks the beginning uh, or rather a continuation of of conversations and and striving to to redefine and build our relationship. Um, we recently had a conversation which I thought was a pretty good metaphor for my relationship with my mother or or at least what I'm seeking. So we had a conversation on the phone and my mom asked me, "Hey, do you do you know the game Rummicube?" And I've never played the game Rummicube, but I know that we have this little Rummicube set in our house. I I used to take it out and I guess there's like they're like little dominoes with numbers and faces and symbols and different colors and there was a, it came in this gray leather case and I would take them out and look at them and maybe sort them and and put them back but I never knew how to play. But apparently they had played some Rummicube with their friends uh, over the holiday break and my mom was really excited about Rummicube. I I imagine she won many times and I I know when I win anything I you know I want to do more. I want to pursue it. And she says to me, you know, I looked all over the house, but I, I couldn't find it. Do we have it? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's in this, this leather case. You know, I hadn't sort of seen it. I hadn't taken it out in, in over a decade, I'm sure. But I have a very good memory. And there was this, this basically this image of this Rummicube set in our house. And I directed her to where it was. And she was so happy. And, and she, you know, said, oh, you have such a good memory. And... You know, basically, it seemed like Rumcube is her thing right now. This is the thing that brings her the most joy at this current moment. And I had helped her find it, which is which is really all I would ever want to do. I like am trying to figure out what is it that makes my mom happy? What makes her joyful? What makes her satisfied? That has been a question that I've been chewing on for my entire life and will probably always chew on that question. And, you know, I, I don't know, you know, part of the reason I might have such a good memory is is perhaps connected to this. Like, okay, like, what is this? Is this making my, how is this making my mom feel? Is this behavior making her feel this way? Is it making her feel this way? I would pay very close attention to what my actions, uh, how my actions would influence the behavior of my mother. And perhaps because of that practice, it cultivated a very sharp memory uh, in order to protect myself from from pain or disappointment or or uh, sending my mother into uh, some sort of uh, angry tizzy uh, and so but now i I had achieved this thing that I always want i I had provided the resource to make her happy and it felt so triumphant and will probably feel so triumphant and and I guess I don't know. I I guess as I as I think about as I think about trying to find the thing that makes my mom happy, I I got to remember that really it's all about what makes me happy. My first priority is my own self-care, my own happiness. And I do believe that my mother is is committed to that pursuit as well. She wants me to be happy. She wants me to thrive. She wants me to shine, and and I think the cozy zone is a great mechanism to to practice that, to process that. Friends, go to my dormant Twitter feed at Cozy Zones. Check out my dormant Instagram. 
Ben Weber Projects, uh, benweberprojects.com. Like the Facebook page, the Cozy Zone Foundation. We're getting there, friends. We're getting a few likes every so often. Um, listen to the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, for being a fan, for being a love. Without further ado, please enjoy episode 36 of Cozy Zone with Ben Weber, Sally Weber, on the cozy couch. Hi, Mom. Hi, honey. How are you? I'm good. Good. How are you feeling? Good. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Welcome to your cozy zone. Thank you. It's uh, very nice to, be, <laughs> nice to be here. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, you, if you feel like laughing, that's that's Okay. Well, why are you laughing? <laughs> no. You nervous? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> we start over. No, no, this is it. This is the this is the zone. Okay. Why do you think you're laughing? I have no idea. No? Maybe it is nerves. I don't know. Do you think so? I don't know. <laughs> what do you what would you be nervous about? Uh, it's probably not nervous. I don't know, honey. It just struck me funny. No, that's fine. Is it because of the red microphone, the headphones? No, no, I'm fine. No, I know, I know. It's okay to laugh. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that maybe I can make you laugh for real during this. We'll see. Uh, so, yeah, can you tell us about where where we are right now? Okay, we're in our living room on our couch. This was where you and I spent a lot of time. Um, I would read to you on the couch. Um, when you were little, and then when you'd come home from school, when you were in grade school, we would um, convene here, and I would, you would share your day, and I would share stories. So, and this is where now I spend a lot of time um, reading myself or napping. Yeah, uh, I, it definitely is conducive to napping. What? So what? What do we have here in this room? Like what? Uh, what furniture? What? What's around us? Okay, well, Dad and I are very into stickly furniture. Okay. And so we, um, these were some of our first pieces that we got. Um, we have stickly chairs. Well, actually, these chairs were based on stickly, but they were designed by a furniture maker. Those were actually our very first um, stickly-like pieces. Who, who was who's stickly? Like what? Augustus Stickley yeah. was a um, furniture maker, carpenter, um, in he, he um, in New York. This was back in the 1920s. He developed um, very. It was he developed furniture after the Victorian age, and so these are um, much simpler um, pieces. And so Dad and I really liked these this style of furniture, and so we've slowly gathered, collected um, pieces that are either original sticklies or reproductions. Mm-hmm. So what are there original sticklies in the room? Yes. <coughs> that um, bookcase, mm-hmm. that's not a bookcase, it's a um, desk, mm-hmm. is an original stickly. And basically, that's, I think, our only original. Everything oh. else is reproductive. <laughs> Reproduction um, stickly. <laughs> it's okay to say reproductive. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, do you are you familiar with the popsicle stick character on Nickelodeon Stick Stickly? 
no. He's a newscaster, and his oh. last name is Stickley, oh, also. Okay. But it's it's maybe not related to a, a <laughs> Gustav, a Gus. What was it? Gust, uh, Gustav Stickley. Gustav Stickley was he so. German? Austrian? I don't know. Who knows? And they actually, the furniture store, the furniture company still exists today, and that's why they're making these reproductions. I see. Yeah, what, uh, any other any other things in the room you you want uh, our listeners to know about? Mm. Uh, nope. All right, great. So we we have stickly furniture. We have a we have a rug. There's a rug. This couch. What color would you call this couch? Uh, it was sort of burgundy. It's sort of faded. Mm-hmm. It's a. But faded like burgundy. When there was a different couch, I feel like the, the, uh, you didn't read to me so much on this couch. It seems to me, or do you think it was? Oh, we I did, but it then was? we we did have um, a, another cloth type. I mean, it was more of a cotton fabric, right? Cloth, uh, fabric. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure if that was in here or not. I think it was always in the family room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what is, you and dad seem to really like furniture and architecture. Like what drew you to this style? Like where did you discover it and where did you hone your, your love of this kind of furniture? I actually took an art class at the Milwaukee Art Museum and um what is it? i don't I, th- I think we were shown a book and in the book it had um a, a fireplace similar to ours mm-hmm. this with, is we have a fireplace in here with built-in cabinets uh-huh. on either side uh-huh. and um it was then that i discovered that our house although not authentically um arts and crafts had many features with arts and crafts. In fact, we have tiles outside mm-hmm. above the front door, mm-hmm. um, and that's all very classic arts and crafts. Mm-hmm. And so um, so it, uh, I, had, I got the book, and then um, we kept getting, I kept finding more and more books on arts and crafts furniture, and then we discovered that Porters of Racine, a furniture store that no longer exists, was carrying stickly furniture and so we would go and just sort of it was almost like looking at art i mean we didn't think Mm. we'd ever buy it it was Mm -hmm. just so beautiful and then we just um continued to follow our um passion for this type of um architecture as well as furniture and um the whole simple way of life mm-hmm. type idea. I mean the, the philosophy yeah it. so yeah uh, I'm curious like what what elements of this furniture are particularly beautiful to you like what uh... well basically all of this furniture is made out of quarter sawn sawn oak mm-hmm. and the finish the varnish on it is um, I think it's called Fayette Bill um so it's just very rich, and so it's the wood, because I've always liked wood, but mm-hmm. this wood and the um, just the whole styling is just, it, they're heavy pieces, but yeah. they're, um, they just, 
our they just spoke to both of us yeah we just really liked them i have to say i i also really like wood and i like that it's you know they're heavy and, and grounded and uh you know i think it's taken me a few years to sort of get on board with this aesthetic and sort of understand. But now I also find myself being drawn to sort of heavy wooden things. And unfortunately, you know, in the life that I'm living, it's a lot of like particle board from Ikea, you know, but, uh, you know, it's definitely a wonderful thing to aspire to. Well, and then this was precursor to Frank Lloyd Wright. Okay. And um, I remember when you were younger, we took you to Madison to, to the Taliesin, and you hated it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. just, so that's nice that you're coming around. Yeah. <laughs> Did, what was my problem? Do you remember? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but you would just, you would cry. It was just, it was as if we were torturing you. Well, it was like a, wasn't there like a boat tour? Oh, we did that in Racine. And, uh-huh. uh, not Racine. No, 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 that, no, 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 that was Lake Geneva, oh. and you hated that too. Right. So you, um, you, you had a mind of your own, and <laughs> it was, it was not, not. It was not a mind that could deal with architecture <laughs> at that point. I guess that is very true. Huh. Yeah. Well, I'm. Yeah, I'm definitely like I don't mind it so much these days. So I guess you just grow up and. <laughs> acclimate to things yeah i mean uh, i had a nice talk with with eric about architecture and uh that was that's the most recent cozy zone oh, okay that's because he went to architecture school and so yeah it's great and i you know i worked for a not, not an architecture firm but you know uh, urban green okay, council right, 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 right. Uh, so yeah so i yeah i've just sort of chilled out about it maybe maybe yeah i don't know it was rebellion i was rebelling at a young age who knows well, and you just weren't interested. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Um, huh, I didn't know, I didn't know that about, like, I didn't know sort of your vast knowledge of, of stickly furniture and the, the finish in the wood. That's very cool. Well, I mean, that's about the extent of my... <laughs> well, still, I mean, that, you know, that, I, you know, I've never heard that before. Well, because you get to choose when you buy your pieces what kind of stain you want on it. Right. And, um... So that's how I knew that. Story. Yeah, and and there's also there's all sorts of like books and magazines uh, around here, also, sort of the place for reading. I often when I've been home for the last decade or so, you know, you you're here reading. Uh, what what uh, what books do we have here? <laughs> so, what we did is we gathered some of the books that I would read to you when you were little, mm-hmm. and. Um, we were thinking maybe it'd be sort of fun to just share a story. Yeah, I think that, it'd be super fun. So um, so we were thinking um, one of your favorites was Owen uh, by Kevin Henkes, who, um, or Henkes, um, who has a blanket just like you had when you mm-hmm. were growing up. Mm-hmm. So... Is this my cue to start reading? Yeah, yeah. Are you ready? Do you? I'm ready. All right. So this is called Owen. Owen had a fuzzy yellow blanket. He had had it since he was a baby. He loved it with all his heart. Fuzzy goes where I go, said Owen, and Fuzzy did. 
upstairs, downstairs, in between, inside, outside, upside down. Fuzzy likes what I like, said Owen, and Fuzzy did. Orange juice, grape juice, chocolate milk, ice cream, peanut butter, applesauce cake. Isn't he getting a a little old to be carrying that thing around, said Mrs. Tweezers. Haven't you heard of the blanket fairy? Owen's parents hadn't. Mrs. Tweezers filled them in. That night, Owen's parents told Owen to put Fuzzy under his pillow. In the morning, Fuzzy would be gone, but the blanket fairy would leave an absolutely wonderful, positively perfect, especially terrific big boy gift in its place. Owen stuffed Fuzzy inside his pajama pants and went to sleep. No, blanket fairy, said Owen in the morning. No kidding, said Owen's mother. No wonder, said Owen's father. Fuzzy's dirty, said Owen's mother. Fuzzy's torn and ratty, said Owen's father. No, said Owen. Fuzzy is perfect, and Fuzzy was. Fuzzy played Captain Plunger with Owen. Fuzzy helped Owen become invisible. And Fuzzy was essential when it came to nail clippings and haircuts and trips to the dentist. Can't be a baby forever, said Mrs. Tweezers. Haven't you heard of the vinegar trick? Owen's parents hadn't. Mrs. Tweezers filled them in. When Owen wasn't looking, his father dipped Owen's favorite corner of Fuzzy into a jar of vinegar. Owen sniffed it and smelled it and sniffed it. He picked a new favorite corner. Then he rubbed the smelly corner around, all around his sandbox, buried it in the garden, and dug it up again. Good as new, said Owen. Fuzzy wasn't very fuzzy anymore, but Owen didn't mind. He carried it, he wore it, and dragged it. He sucked it, and hugged it, and twisted it. What are we going to do, asked Owen's mother. School's starting soon, said Owen's father. Can't bring a blanket to school, said Mrs. Tweezers. Haven't you heard of saying no? Owen's parents hadn't. Mrs. Tweezers filled them in. I have to bring Fuzzy to school, said Owen. No, said Owen's mother. No, said Owen's father. Owen buried his face in Fuzzy, and he started to cry and would not stop. Don't worry, said Owen's mother. It'll be all right, said Owen's father. And then suddenly, Owen's mother said, I have an idea. It was an absolutely wonderfully, a wonderful, perfectly perfect, especially terrific idea. First she snipped, and then she sewed, then she snipped again and sewed some more. Snip, 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 sew, 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 dry your eyes, wipe your nose, hooray, hooray, hooray. Now Owen carries one of his not-so-fuzzy handkerchiefs with him wherever he goes. And Mrs. Tweezers doesn't say a thing. In this final illustration, we see Mrs. Tweezers uh, sort of waving her her pink handkerchief at Owen's little yellow handkerchief. Uh, and everyone's a mouse here in this in this book, just, just to, to fill you in. Mom, thank you so much. You're welcome. This was fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I had a, a blanket when I, I was born, right? And a bear. Mm-hmm. Thank you, bear. Mm-hmm. Who, who gave those to me? 
Oh dear. I know this. Um, well, a family gave you the bear, mm-hmm. and I'm not quite sure who gave you the blanket. But the brilliant thing about that blanket was, it had pieces of yarn. It was like a quilted blanket, and so for you, all we had to do, you were perfectly fine with yarn, mm-hmm. so you didn't have to carry a whole blanket. Yeah, but I, I, but I sucked my thumb until I was very old. I think what ten? Oh, I don't know. I think so. I don't know. I think so. I don't know. No, when? when I mean, do you I, remember? I, I don't remember. To be honest, oh. um, I mean, you did suck it for a while, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. And I would twirl yarn. And right. so I guess I, like, at one point, like, handed in my blanket. I actually still have it. Yeah, I know. But I, you know, it's not, it's somewhere somewhere out of commission now in, in the archives. Well, it's, it's actually in a baggie, safe and sound. Yeah, yeah. But still, I mean, you know, it's not in rotation right now. No. No, and I don't know... If you just, I think you just sort of, I can't even remember, but I think you just outgrew it. Yeah. I mean, you didn't, I mean, you had the yarn. Yeah. So I still have the yarn. Right. So you don't need the whole. But I don't suck my thumb anymore. No. But I no. do still twirl yarn. Yeah. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> On this, this Afghan. <laughs> I know. Yeah. What do you think about that? It just is. Just right? is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So you. You were, I mean, when I was young, you were a, a children's librarian. You worked in a bookstore. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so what are your, like, what is your relationship with, with reading stories aloud? And how has it evolved? Hmm. Well, I mean, to be honest, I mean, my, my mom read to me when I was little. Mm-hmm. So I've always, and I've enjoyed going to libraries and um, so when you were born, almost as soon as you were born, I started reading to you. You didn't, I mean, it was just a cozy um, experience. I mean, you didn't understand, <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, but you're hearing language and mm-hmm. seeing No, pictures. it's good. I mean, it's good to be read to. And um, Do you remember the favorites, your favorite stories as a little girl? Um, not really. I mean, I've saved some of those books. Um, but, um, I mean, like there was the sweet patootie doll mm-hmm. and, um, oh, Babar. Um, but, and then I do remember my mom reading, um, Mary Poppins to us mm-hmm. in the summer mm-hmm. as, a, as a really neat memory. Mm-hmm. I can still picture us on our porch, um, with her reading mm-hmm. to me and my brother. And so for you, I mean, I mean, I've always loved children's books, always, and I don't, you know, just I do. And so, once you were born, we were given some books as gifts, and then you and I went to the Whitefish Bay Library almost weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would you would choose your own books, and then we'd sit and read, and then we'd bring a whole bunch of books home mm-hmm. and read and. Um, so it was a, it was a actually very, it was a calming for both of us mm. to, you know, for me to read to you mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and then you, for you to listen mm-hmm. and, um, and then when you were a little older, then we would get books on tape that yeah. you would listen to the books. I liked, I liked doing that. Yeah. And, um, 
And it was fun for me to listen, like while I was fixing dinner or doing the dishes or something, and mm-hmm. you were listening. Because mm-hmm. um, some of these stories I had never read, and then to hear them was very nice. And um, we were, as I was looking, when you were like in first grade, I remember reading Mrs. Piggywiggle mm-hmm. to you, and that was... And so you became a really good reader and did a lot of reading on your own. So once it became more chapter book type, I didn't read real much. I mean, that this is almost the last, the Mrs. Piggle was almost the last one. Oh, wow. I think that mm-hmm. we, I read because you just became a voracious reader. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I think it was through you that I re- it rekindled my love of children's books. That began obviously when you were uh, little. Little, yeah. yeah. Um, and we would do. How would we come to do story hours together? Um, I, I mean, it was just that whoever met you <laughs> loved you very much, and so when I was at the library, um, the li- the children's li- librarian um, knew you from actually. Um, coming to her story hours. Mm-hmm. And then when I volunteered to do some story hours, um, she let me include you also. Oh, nice. So that's how you did that. And then um, and when we were at Audubon Court Books, it was the same thing. The, um, w- the woman in charge of children's books um, knew you and liked you very, very much. And... Um, it was just okay for you to sit next to me when I did the story hours. And then you slowly, I mean, I remember that turkey story. This was completely your own thing where you started putting feathers in your sweater. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was completely spontaneous. We didn't (laughs) (laughs) practice that one. (laughs) But um, you were just always my little buddy sitting next to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then, then you became, you then became your own storyteller, your own actor, your yeah. own, but that's, I mean, I think it, part, part of it was just um, making sure I knew where you were so that you sat next to me. I see, I see. <laughs> yeah, and that was very important for you. I mean, that, that was first, uh, I mean, you know, I think about it too, This I love the story of when I would get my hair cut and there, this place for some reason had by at the um the chair where I get directions and design was that what's it oh, called? Oh, maybe it was. Yeah. Um, but they had a floor to ceiling mirror, mm-hmm. and so we would bring your little blue chair, and you would sit. My own chair. I yes, would, I see. <laughs> your own little blue chair to sit on, while you waited for me to get my hair cut, and then you entertained yourself <laughs> by looking in the mirror. So I'm um, so you're used to, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, but even sitting up with me during stories, you were just used to being in front of people. Mm-hmm. It, it just seems a perfectly natural. Of course, that's where you should be. Mm-hmm. Either in front of a mirror or in front of people, and that's how you began your life. I mean, as a you know, one-year-old, two-year-old. I don't know how old you were when you um, probably three-year-old when we started the stories. I, really, three? You seems a little young. You were very young, honey, huh. and, I, and um, with that sweater and the turkeys, I mean, it had to have been maybe kindergarten. Okay, I mean, wow. I mean, you were young. Yeah. And you would, um, you were always very help, you know, helpful and very serious about this position. I see. <laughs> Being a story, our helper. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you said you were you were afraid. Were you afraid of like not knowing where I was or like losing track of me? Oh, that was always always a fear. <laughs> I don't know if you remember too. Like when we would go like to the mall and I'd have to go to the bathroom. I would put bring you in, but you would stay outside the door, you know, like outside my door. Yeah. And I needed to see your feet. I see. <laughs> what uh, What were you afraid that was going to happen? Oh, that I would lose you. Well, who was going to take me? I mean, it just was the the time when you were growing up was just sort of scary. I mean, there were all these. Not that I mean, even when you'd play outside, I'd be constantly watching because. Um, what would, What time was it? What What was going on? Well, it's just people with kids were being abducted and, you know, it was just, huh. it was just a fear. So you so. were, you were fearful that I would, something would happen to me. Oh my gosh, yes. Hmm. Yeah. But is that like, uh, I, I wanted to ask you sort of like the, some of the, the challenges of being a parent and it, it sort of sounds like that might be one of them, like fear of abduction or loss. Well, even you're going to Clody Park to play. This is a park that's a block away from <laughs> our house. But it, I didn't really feel comfortable for sending you there by yourself yeah. until like you were in high school or college. Yeah. I mean, it's just a park. It's a very, you know, if you, I wouldn't send you there alone. I mean, you know, if you, um, but that, it was, huh. that was just, um, I don't know if that's every parent feels that way, but I, I certainly was very nervous. Yeah. Huh. Um, yeah, so. And now, now I live in, in New York City. <laughs> I know. Uh, by myself or you know with i guess you know with nicolette mm. uh and are do you do you worry about my safety there like on a daily basis or how do you deal with that oh of course i worry i mean but i you know um you know it's out of my control i mean i can't yeah um but oh yeah i mean it, uh I, th- I think I, I I really I do think most parents worry. Yeah, I think that's what what we do. So, you know, you just worry about their safety because there's it's completely out of our con- control. It's out of our hands. I mean, there's really nothing we can do. But um, so worry, I guess, makes you feel like you're doing something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, but um, oh yeah. I mean, we just think about you and we send positive thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, all right. Uh, I mean, yeah. What are what are like. What what was the most challenging parts about being a parent? Hmm. Or continue to be? Hmm, that's a very good question. Uh, see, I, you know, it's true, it changes. Um, when you're little, when you're an infant and toddler, it's um, physically exhausting. You know, just to... Um, take care of you and I mean it's also very rewarding but it's exhausting physically and then as you get older it becomes more mentally exhausting Mm -hmm. and um in what in what ways um well just all the different challenges that you know and decisions you have to make and guidance and um uh you know and um and you're you're testing us. I mean, you know, it's you know, like, I mean, so that we have to figure out how how to navigate, um, bringing you up, give, make, you know, respecting you, but also, um, still being there to guide. Now, now, I mean, you're an adult. We don't, you know, we 
um, I mean, we we're we're way on the sidelines watching. Mm -hmm. What? Um, how did you feel most tested when I was growing up? Hmm. Uh, well, I think you know relationships you know, with friends and girlfriends, boyfriends. I mean, it was, you know, um, when you'd want to do something and it's like, you know, we had to figure out, you know, what, when to let go, when to hang on, that sort of thing. I mean, do you have an example? or? Well, one thing that was very, very interesting, and we did not handle this very well, but you had been in England and came back in the summer and caught the chicken pox on mm. your way that's right on the plane and or wherever yeah yeah or someplace you've got you know something and you were to be leaving for college right soon that's right and we really wanted you to stay home and we want to take care of you uh -huh. with the chicken pox yeah and you um with the persuasion of your girlfriend's mother at the time were persuaded to go to door county and I mean, that was a really, really hard, I mean, we, you know, I don't know. I mean, who knows if we could have handled it any better, but you went and, um, you did get over the chicken box and you're still here today. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it was, it's those sorts of things that are just like, oh my goodness, that you're, we're up against not only you, but then a girlfriend and then a girlfriend's family those are hard yeah those are hard so that something like that and um and as i said it worked out fine but it just was like um it was the and it sounds like i mean it sounds like that the the thing was that you wanted to make sure i was taken care of that you wanted to care for me you wanted to be a caretaker and that you felt maybe was that role kind of uh threatened or taken away in this particular instance well i think it's it's a maternal and a paternal instinct to want to take care of your child, especially mm -hmm. when they're sick. Sure. And so it was like um, having you just sort of grabbed out and, um, you know, it just was, I mean, when you think about it, to have to travel to Door County when you've got the chicken pox. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just like if you have a bad case of flu. Yeah. The least thing, you, the last thing you want to do, you know, and, um, but... Yeah, and I mean, I'm guessing, too, that I wasn't necessarily very in tune with my own needs or how to sort of state what I wanted, and perhaps at the time, too, like, I was pretty certain that anything that you as my parents wanted were was dumb and wrong. You know, I would, I'd convinced myself of that, and, and, you know, now I'm grown up a little bit and ha are a little more in tune. Presumably, I mean, you know, it sounds, if I got the chicken pox today... My guess is that I would try and stay where I was and rest. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's, yeah, that's interesting. So that was one of our harder ones. Hmm. I don't think, I, I wasn't aware of how hard that was for you, that well, particular I, instance. I mean, you've, you had the chicken box. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, you know, but like. And you're not going to. Um, but it's those sorts of things that a parent deals with um you know when you're when you're having to deal with other people as well as 
your own child, that that that's a hard one. Yeah. Is it? Oh my goodness. Uh, well, I, I mean, if you if it's conflicting, if you've got other people in the picture besides just you and your child. Yeah, and but that's that's like that's sort of always true. I mean, you know, like it's never just, you know. It's never just like one person that you but have usually, to navigate. But usually, you work. It's usually you're working together. Really? Usually? I mean, it depends. Like I it suppose. depends. I think how old you are. I suppose. Like I, I imagine. You know, we're we're working on like there's all sorts of different uh, separation times and sort of struggles of of figuring that out. You know. But I just think like with teachers, they generally are on. We're usually working as a team to well, do what's best sure, for you. Sure, And so in this instance, you know, we're, I mean, we were thinking of what was best for you. Mm-hmm. Was this other family thinking of what was best for you? I don't know. I mean, right. I don't know. And so it wasn't like we were working together to solve this problem. We were, we had a problem that was multiplying. I mean, it was more than one problem. Yeah. And that's what, that was what was hard. Mm-hmm. But anyways, it it stayed with us forever. It'll stay. <laughs> yeah, I, I sounds like it. Wow. So, uh, um, I guess I, something I wanted to ask too is uh, you know, when what have been a, a moment or a, a few moments where you've been the proudest of me? Because hmm, there have been many, many times. Let's see. Um. I mean, you know, we were proud, or I was proud, um, with some of these um, performances you did in high school, these these musicals. I mean, it was just phenomenal. I mean, we were just like, wow. And then, um, then I think back, too, even to your bar mitzvah. It was like, wow, you know, how you were able to, all the work you did to prepare for that. And... Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think on a more of like a everyday level is, and we talked about this earlier, is, um, or you and I, um, that all the friends you have made since nursery school, you have maintained contact and then view them as your friend. And that, you know, I'm very proud of you for that because it's, um, it's, it's, um, it's your giving of yourself and caring about other people to the point where they um, respect and care about you. So that that's, that's huge. And I'm proud of you for that. And I'm just proud of... Um, uh, well, the other thing that's so interesting, too, is it's like you always tend to follow your passion. And I remember you know, for your undergrad in college, you created your own major. And then you said, oh my goodness, I really want to go to graduate school, but I have, I want to, I don't <laughs> I have to create my own, I don't know, I have to create something because I don't want to do whatever these other majors are. And sure enough, there comes along uh, this applied theater program that you could get your master's and be pursuing your own um, passion and, and your own you're creating your own path it, it's and it's a very very 
hard path because I mean it's an exciting path, but it's also hard because there's no one, no one's done it before. You know, this is your own, um, and now you're doing these cozy zones. You you um, are constantly striving to be creative and um, find other uh, ways to well to be creative and follow your creative passion, and that's. Uh, that's commendable because um, some people would give up <laughs> or, or just move into the regular, um, not regular, but I mean to follow. I mean, it's just that you just have not given up. You keep going, and that's um, commendable. Thank you. That's really nice. That's really sweet to say. Thank you for saying so. You're welcome. Are you, uh, are you feeling emotional? Um, oh, I'm on the verge, yes. Okay. Well, that's okay. <laughs> but I have my Kleenex. Great. Um, you know, you uh, you have also been following your passion and discovering your passion. And I, I also want to say on the record that I, I'm proud of you for uh, the journey you've taken. Um, I don't know if you feel comfortable talking about what you're up to uh, career-wise on the air. Or you can we can talk generally about it, maybe. Right. Um, this is very interesting. I think everybody is on a journey. Yeah. And um, and part of it is um, there'll be all kinds of opportunities that present themselves, and it's just a matter of following through on an opportunity yeah, and being ready and and knowing knowing how to follow something. Right, and so. Um, so my life has taken many twists and turns. I was in banking for a while and then librarian and in a bookstore and then back in a library. And then, um, I went back to get certified to teach. And when I got out of that program, I didn't have a job and decided I would volunteer at, um, literacy services of Wisconsin to help adults who struggled to read. And it was through that program that I met a woman who told me about another program that provided training to help ch um, children with dyslexia learn how to read. And so I pursued that and um, and tutored. So I was able to get into this program and tutored and um, have now become um, director of this program so that I can help other adults learn how to teach reading and make sure that children with dyslexia know how to, to how to read. And so um, that it's, it, that was a unbelievable journey. It's the idea of like when one door shuts, another one opens, and that's exactly what happened. And then I, with this training, was able to um, work at a private school to help children all children, all struggling readers in the school learn how to read. So it's been, it's very, very fulfilling, but it just, it combines everything. My love of books, my, um, like, the love of teaching, and um, and the love of helping other people. Mm -hmm. So, And can you talk about what you're up to right now? Well, I am I'm the director of the program. Mm-hmm. Um, um, 
of this children's dyslexia program. And so my job is to help train adults to become, to learn how to teach reading and to um, make sure that the children with dyslexia or other reading challenges learn how to read. And one thing that's very, very exciting is the training takes a year, and part of the training is that the, the tutors have to um, tutor 100 hours, and it's supervised hours. And um, the most beautiful thing that's happened, so they started in June, this new group of tutors, and they have been working with their students mm, about two months and the bond that has got has been that's taken place between the tutor and their student is unbelievable. It's it's beautiful. And as I told the tutors, it's a privilege for me to be able to observe this uh, relationship, and that um, it's like feeding baby birds. That these tutors are like giving them the skills so that they can read, and it's just they want more. The students want more. They want to. They're just very excited that they're starting to learn to read. They want more uh, skills or more what? Oh, the students want to keep learning, mm-hmm. to learn more about reading, mm-hmm. to improve their reading. So, yes. That's really wonderful. Um, should we should we read another story? Are you you in the mood to read more? Do you want to <laughs> chat more? Um, we because we pulled we pulled three books. What do you think? Hmm, I suppose we could read one more. This one, um, Marcel and the Moon. When Ben was little, his very first word was duck. And we would be un- pushing him in the stroller, and we would sing, Oh, McDonald had a farm. And on his farm he had a, we'd pause, <laughs> and then Ben would say, duck. And then we would continue. So his first babysitter knew he liked the word duck, and got um, got him a book about a duck. So again, this is Marcella and the Moon by um, Laura Jane Coates. Marcella was a different sort of duck. She lived in a park with a lot of other ducks. The other ducks spent their time swimming at the pond, but Marcella was always painting pictures. So we have Marcella the duck and her little basket of paint and brushes and her little easel painting a picture of the other ducks swimming in their pond. And what's interesting, I didn't even realize this before, but how appropriate this is, that here, when you were just a baby, she knew you know, that you like the word duck, but that she sh- this duck should be an artist. It's an artist duck. Yeah, That's like very you. nice. That's like you. One evening, Marcella saw the moon coming up behind the trees. It looked so big and bright that she decided to paint it. The other ducks passed her on their way out to the pond. Come for a swim in the moonlight, they called out. Night after night, they would ask her, but the answer was always the same. Not tonight, she would tell them. I have a picture to paint. You're no fun, the other ducks told Marcella. All you want to do is paint pictures. Aren't you tired of painting the moon? But Mar- Marcella wasn't tired of painting the moon because it was constantly changing. 
Each night it came up a little later, and each night it looked a little thinner. So there's like a clothesline now um, when Marcella is, is posting up her little pictures of the different phases of the moon. It starts with the full moon, and it keeps getting smaller and smaller into a little sliver. Then one night the moon didn't appear at all. The other ducks went down to the pond, but it was too dark for them to swim. Where's the moon tonight, they wondered. They knew one duck might have the answer, so off they went in search of Marcella. They're going over this beautiful little bridge over the lake, finding Marcella in a hammock. Have you seen the moon, the ducks asked. Oh, no, not tonight, Marcella told them. But don't worry, the moon will be back. If you watch the sky after sunset tomorrow, you will see it again, I am sure. The next evening, they waited and watched, and they saw the moon again just after the sun had gone down. After that, the ducks would stop on their way to the pond to watch Marcella paint. At first, the moon was quite thin, but each night it filled out a little more, and at last it was as big and round as on the night Marcella had first painted it. I've painted enough for a while, Marcella said to herself. It's time I went for a swim. She put away her brushes and paints. Then she went down to the pond to join the other ducks. From then on, Marcella went to the pond whenever she could, and she became good friends with the other ducks. And if you pass the park some night, and you see a duck painting in the moonlight, it may very well be Marcella because she still loves to paint more than anything else. It's very nice. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> You're welcome. What, what do you think the, the moral of that story is? This has always been a weakness. <laughs> well, <laughs> figuring out morals? <laughs> I'll just sort of... Um, I, mean, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here. I mean, I, I'm asking kind of genuinely because it's sort of like, okay, so she's a she's a recluse, she's a she's an expert at the moon, she's an artist, she's an artist, she's sort of you know a, apart from society, but well, sometimes she's... she go you know ultimately she does join society and becomes friends with the other ducks. Well, she follows her passion, mm -hmm. but she realizes she also needs people or her other friends. Yeah, the yeah, ducks. the ducks, and, and mm -hmm. so that it's possible. For her to do both, and that but it doesn't take away this painting is still her most favorite thing mm -hmm. and um and because of her passion, she was able to be helpful to the other ducks, yeah, so nice, yeah um we talked a lot before about sort of your relationship to art uh and I think you you've said once uh that sort of your your art or the thing that you identify with is is being an educator or a, a teacher is that still true for you right i think my art is teaching um uh, i mean i i i appreciate art in terms of like paintings and sculpture mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. pottery and furniture and architecture not that i can do it exactly but I, I appreciate it and so that my 
because um, the teaching is kind of an art. You are you can't really be taught how to teach. You can be hmm. you can be taught um, curriculum, philosophy of teaching, but in order to see, I, I'm not a classroom teacher. Right. I'm more of a um, I, I'm really thrive on tutoring one on one, and then small, very small group. Um, and you teach both kids and adults. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you find that there's a big difference between those two groups in your style? Uh, I don't know. Let's see. I I don't think it's a huge difference. I think because I I feel I respect each you know for who they are and um but it's adapting to the needs of of um whatever the student be it adult or child needs what what elements do you think cannot be taught that that so there's something there's some like i don't know intractable innate something that needs to happen in teaching what do you what do you think that might be do you have a, a name for that uh, i think a lot of it's empathy mm-hmm. and um um it's, it's problem solving when you've got something a topic or whatever that you need to teach it's a, a it, the creativity comes in with how do you get um, help help the student learn whatever concept it is you're trying to teach and so that's where the creativity comes in because we have a curriculum that we're supposed to that we do follow but it's not prescribed it's like you have to teach a and then how are you gonna how are you gonna teach it you know you have that's where the as I said the creativity mm-hmm. comes in and, and what what the student relates to and i mean but you're also you're a teacher of teachers so it seems like the you know thinking that teaching can't be taught or some aspects of it might be tricky so how do you like how do you is there a way to cultivate empathy to cultivate this like creative decisions that need to be made right and see what happens is like for instance the group we have right now are all teachers in the real life in mm-hmm. their day jobs and so they actually come they're coming to our program with this ability to teach i see and so what we're doing is providing them with the knowledge of how to teach reading Mm -hmm. so that we're not teaching them how to teach but we're just teaching them the process of teaching reading Mm, i see so that um but no i think it's, it's really it is hard um if if a person doesn't have that sort of like innate ability, mm-hmm. um, it's it's harder it's harder to do that. Are, I mean, do you have any advice or sort of you know, if, like if someone was thinking about wanting to be a teacher but doesn't have any experience or, yeah, I mean, oh, I can't speak for all teachers. I mean, I can just talk about teaching, reading, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, 
uh, it, part of it for this um, is being able to you know have an open mind and be willing to um, try what it is that we are are what our program represents mm -hmm. and uh, and it's a willingness and a caringness I mean it's, it's a real there's a real passion that these tutors have wanting their kids to learn to read mm -hmm. and I think that that along with um, it's just very important I yeah. think that's, that's what I think that's sort of where the magic comes in because there's such a they're so passionate about wanting them to learn to read that they will come up with, you know, come up, figure out how to do it. So where there's a passion, where there's a will, there is there's a way. way right? mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. Um, and they have to want to learn this because we've had students, teachers, I mean adults that are teachers that did not want to be learning in our program. And it did not work, mm -hmm. and they did not stay. Mm -hmm. So that there's, um, there is, there are um, elements that have to be present in order for it to work. Mm -hmm. And I think the one thing is, when they choose to come to our program, when they want to help kids learn to read, when they are good teachers uh, already, um, you put all those ingredients together, and you've got a really good, yeah situation and you were saying too that sort of watching the bond watching the passion of all these teachers brings you a lot of joy and is a really beautiful thing to behold what what else in your life these days brings you joy are you passionate about well i'm still passionate about my son ben oh yeah <laughs> that's very sweet <laughs> yeah so no that's that's like um that brings me great joy, and it's just that this, we've had such a wonderful weekend. Yeah, it's been nice. It's very special. Yeah, we are we are really we are I would say in the in the thick of of sort of working on our our relationship and sort of you know I guess renegotiating what that looks like and sort of transitioning from I don't know sort of all of these stages of my life and your life that we've 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 lived through together and each sort of era is so different uh and this is definitely i don't know it feels like perhaps the the beginning of a of a new era i don't know how you're feeling about that but i'm i'm sort of feeling that way right and i think it's also i mean this era is called ben is an adult mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah and i think and ben um you know, make, get you know, having his independence mm -hmm. and um, um, you know, so I, I think that's what I think that's what's happening. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And um, and knowing that, um, you know, we're here and we always will be here to support you in whatever. I mean, not financially, but I mean, emotionally support. <laughs> no, emotionally support on you. The, on the record. <laughs> no, um, know this, everyone. <laughs> but no, but, I, I, you know, that, and that we accept you, you know, however. I mean, whatever. I mean, um, and even, I mean, we'll, we'll just, we just will always love you. Thank you. Even if I needed uh, financial help. Even if you need financial help, we'll do that too. Oh yeah. But I was just thinking in terms of um, 
I mean, to me, I mean, yes, because you're you're working, but I'm just thinking sometimes what's even more important than financial support is just emotional support. Yeah. And um, knowing that we're here, I mean, we're here for you in whatever capacity, but especially um, emotional support. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I, you know, I am sort of, I have been a, a year in therapy and have been sort of, you know, looking, taking a hard look at all of my feelings and, and sort of reckoning with all of them. And yeah, it's really, I, I'm, I, I'm finding a lot of discoveries and finding it very intense. Like I, you know, I have had a tendency a lot in my life to sort of Huh, I don't know, push down or ignore or subdue a lot of my emotions. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know, like I, the, and they're, they're sort of all, they're all sort of coming to the foreground these days. And I wonder how, how that's seeming or going for you. It's what you need to do. I mean, I certainly went through a whole bunch of stuff in my life with, emotions being angry and upset and depressed and all all these different things and so it's like um you know it's like it's okay this is what a human being does yeah and i think um and the thing that's interesting is cuz throughout your growing up you were very very into feelings yeah and you would make sculptures i have this still have it upstairs with you screw in a head for whatever feeling you're feeling uh-huh, uh-huh. and you would make feeling books. And so, I mean, feelings have been a part of your life. Yeah, I think I was very in tuned with the feelings of those around me, uh, maybe more than oh, your own. my own feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now sort of getting in touch with my own feelings is sort of a new practice. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I, I, I'm not scared of your feelings. I'm not That's good. <laughs> and um, it's I, I'm scared of my feelings. I think a little bit. Well, because it's new. Yeah. And it's, it's but um, so I think it's it's great that you are in therapy, so that there's um, it's a safe place mm-hmm. to examine them, mm-hmm. and um, and just know that. Um, whatever you're feeling i mean it's it's your feeling i mean that there's, yeah. there's no judgment on it it yeah. just is yeah so um but thank you for saying you are you are here for me oh yeah i mean that's um i mean it's, it's interesting too um i was asked at an interview what is the hardest job i've ever had and I think parenting is the hardest job, but it's also the most rewarding. I mean, it, it's um, it's just amazing to see. I mean, it, it takes a lot of work, but, you know, um, I mean, look where you are. <laughs> you started out like you couldn't um, talk, you couldn't, you know, walk, and now, look, you know, it's like this... Um, We're doing that. We have, I have a podcast now. <laughs> you, yeah. You're walking and talking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, so. and I can set up the recording equipment. And we also laughed, Dad and I both, about your eating, because when you were younger, 
you would only really eat macaroni and cheese at a friend's house. Mm-hmm. Not even the it, we could use the same box of macaroni and cheese. You wouldn't eat it here. Mm-hmm. And we'd go out to restaurants and we had to order grilled cheese sandwiches. Mm-hmm. And now you ate octopus last night. Yeah, you didn't. You you were grossed <laughs> out by that. I'm so. I'm more on to the grilled cheese. No, but I, I mean, it's just very funny to see, you know, the twists and turns. Who would have known back in the day when you were eating grilled cheese? That's true. <laughs> and that's that's sort of a, this feels like a good moment to bring up that uh, we are getting ready tonight to uh, have a dinner prepared by Dad. Uh, <laughs> how long was his class at, at Braised? Yeah, like, let's see, it, it started in September, so September, October. Maybe like it's six, like a 12 weeks. 12 or weeks. Or so, um, 12 weeks, three about, months. Yeah, about three months. September, October, November. Sort yeah. of, that maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah eight or, weeks. Or, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so he, you know, you, you've you've been with this man for many years. And uh, how many years has he wanted to be a chef? How long? Has he been talking about that or thinking about that to the best of your knowledge? Well, he loves cooking. So he's uh, when he was in college, created his first um, spaghetti and meat sauce. Okay. And um, so he's always like cooking. And then he's, I don't know, the last 20 years? I don't know that he's been, and he watches all the cooking shows on mm-hmm. TV. Mm-hmm. and um, And has really... He's never taken any cooking courses up until he started the summer at Bray's mm-hmm. taking. And um so the time was just right. He it's had time. He had no more excuses. <laughs> and it just um and he is in seventh heaven. Yeah. How how is that watching watching him sort of pursue his passion in this way? How does that feel for you? It's really what's invigorating. It's beautiful. It's, um, and I'm just, I'm proud of him. You know, he's just, he's blossomed. He's just, um, you know, he has, he can, you know, it gives him more to talk about, you know, and it's, and he just loves it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just like, and he's so happy and he's so proud when he comes home with all these different ingredients, you know, the different um, products that he's made, not products, but the, the creations they've made during the class. And, um, um, he's it, it is it's like a a plant that's been watered, and he's, you know, because this is him. This is yeah. This is um, and you know, to get he's getting recognition. He's also there's camaraderie in this class. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting tonight. I almost think there'll be. I mean, they 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 plan on continuing, but I could almost see tears, <laughs> you know, because they've um really bonded yeah and this is yeah sort of uh this is a celebration but it's also an ending mm-hmm. for the moment mm-hmm. um yeah and i you know i i think like you know i understood that we, we all understand sort of the the weight of this evening you know i flew into town to you know certainly do a cozy zone with my mother mm-hmm. but also you know to to bear witness and experience this this meal that he's cooking which is the culmination of this really amazing class and sort of it sounds like yeah a realization of of who he wants to be and the thing is in this class and the instructor has um reinforced this is the idea of community and cooperation 
so that they are doing this meal together. And it's kind of like it only works if they all do what they um, do their share mm-hmm. to their parents. So it's, mm-hmm. a, it's, it's a really beautiful, because I think that's how a restaurant runs. I mean, you have to have, you know, cooperation and teamwork. and Yeah. And he'll be in the real restaurant kitchen cooking. That's great, yeah. And it'll just be us because the restaurant's closed, right? Right, and so it's just the guests of the the cooks, Mm -hmm. of the the classmates. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think there are like 40-some people. Coming. Coming. That's great, yeah. Um, How, how, uh, how did you meet and fall in love with Dad? We were both at a bridal shower for my friend back in the day, and <laughs> which which day? About I mean, back in I mean nineteen seventies. Yeah, late seventies. Yeah, what like? Because we were married in seventy eight, so it must have been seventy seven, seventy six. I'm not sure. Um, maybe it was seventy. S- I don't know. That's a good point. I'm not sure. Seven, late 70s. Late 70s. We'll mm-hmm. And um, we just started talking. That we were there. There were parents that were trying to get us together. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, not, how come? Oh, because we were like, you know, single <laughs> in Milwaukee. Uh uh-huh. Single but, Jews. <laughs> so then. Um, were there a lot of Jews in Milwaukee in the 70s? Oh yeah. I mean, there were. I mean, I don't know how many single. Not a lot of single Jews. It just seems to me that there aren't a lot of Jews in Milwaukee or that, like, there feel like a lot because we know them all, but, like, it's actually not that big of a community. It's not huge, but when you look at some of these synagogues and the number of members... Yeah, I guess so. But, um, so Dan and I started talking, and then he got tickets to go to a Bucks game and invited me. Oh, and then also... Do you remember what you talked about, or...? No, but the funny thing is, we did go out to the domes. Okay, and this was January. Okay, and it was freezing, and we were there at night. It was oh, I don't know, it must have been a Thursday when it was open at night or something, and um, it was you know lovely, and there was a mouse that went you know crossed our path, mm-hmm. and then Dad. With this key in the lock, mm-hmm. and it breaks because it's so cold. It's so cold, and so I was like, "Oh my God, we're stranded out here, you know, at the domes." But for some unbelievable stroke of luck, he had a spare key. Oh wow! <laughs> so we were able to get home, and then um, if he hadn't had a spare key, do you think it would have been over? <laughs> I don't know. I probably not, because it was just so very funny. What I mean, did you What did you like about him? When you were talking on these on these dates, what he what was, was just, appealing? He was just very nice. I think because he and I still feel that way. I mean, there's a he is a generally um, kind person, mm-hmm. and um, you know, a good listener. And you know, he was fun. It's like one time we went cross country skiing. It was also in January. You know this story? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I love this story. <laughs> and we were um, he falls. And when he gets up, there's a dead rabbit. It wasn't that he killed the rabbit, but it just was that at that moment, I mean, at that particular spot. He had uncovered this frozen dead rabbit. (laughs) And we're going to have rabbit tonight. (laughs) 
<laughs> so rabbits have been following us a lot. I mean, we've had rabbit, rabbits in the yard. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're killed often. The rabbits are killed by... Who knows, cats or dogs right. or, or coyotes or whatever. And I'm not sure what happened. We don't have very many right now. I don't yeah. know where they went. I don't know. But, um, yeah, so. Was that was that the moment? Like, what was the moment where you knew? I mean, I think I'd make fun of you saying that that was the moment when he fell in this dead rabbit. But I don't know if that's, <laughs> do you, is that true? Is that? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it was a process. And it just was, he was always. Ever, you know, ever since I met him, like a, a very good friend, mm-hmm. and I guess that's what's really important to me. Yeah. Uh, how did he propose to you? We were, we had just seen, we had been to Lisa's for um, Lisa's restaurant for pizza. Okay. And then we went to see, or we're going to see, a movie. I think it was. Gods um, must be crazy. No, that was no. my first movie. Yeah, right, right, right. Um. So, I don't know, the the line was something like, do you think or do you do? What? I'm trying to remember how this works. Because <laughs> he said, we were talking about, I don't, can't remember how, we were talking about, I don't know, I don't know what, exactly how we were talking about, but I think he said, we must have been talking about marriage or something, and he goes, do you think or do you do? You know, like, uh, do you, you know, um... You know, like I do, do or, yeah. Do you do? Is it, do you take action? Do you think about it? Yeah, or? I think I, I, that, that's how he asked me. Do you do you think or do you do? What did you say? I don't think I said I do. But don't you say that later? <laughs> no, 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 no. After I mean, no, but I mean, like you say, I do in the ceremony. I. Oh no no oh yeah I see what you're saying but it's like they cause they ask you do you. I don't know. That's just how I proposed. In line at the movie? No, no, we were walking. Oh, I can't. I can't remember where we were. If we were out walking to the movie, isn't that funny? I don't remember. Did he have a ring or? Oh no, no, no. Because I don't. I mean, I didn't get an engagement ring. Right, right. No, but um, yeah. So that was that was just very funny. But it was just very. It's it's sort of nostalgic because it's I mean it's it's so it's it's very that's dad you know just sort of um quiet mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing real dramatic exactly. yeah. um what like um, what inspired you to have kids a kid hmm. we just wanted to yeah I mean I think um how did we go about that? We just thought we would try. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. And I think, you know, some of it too, when you think about it, when I think about it, is, you know, everyone else our age, I mean, it was just sort of the thing. You're you know, just you're do, yeah. following momentum. Right. But I mean, you know, we we did. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think I mean, we just, we wanted to. Oh, phone's okay. ringing. Should we uh, pause? And maybe then I can go to the bathroom. Okay, great. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. Who was on the phone, Mom? Oh, that was Dad. Uh-huh. Oh. And you, you uh, I think you're trying to get out of reading the third book <laughs> that we selected. <laughs> no, I think I've, I'm getting ready to read it. But, um, yeah, I think you are. 
Did I read it now, you think? Uh, yeah, obviously. Oh, obviously. <laughs> obviously, you should read this book. We're th- this is the cozy zone where my mother reads me <laughs> children's books. This is the so, this is the juice. This is a book I think you got as a gift as a little boy. Uh-huh. It's called The Little Mouse, The Red Ripe Strawberry, and The Big Hungry Bear by Don and Audrey Wood. And the illustrations are beautiful. Yeah, the, they did The Sleeping House. And the cover of this book it has a mouse and a ladder, and he's shushing, and he's touching this giant strawberry. It's hanging. It's climbing up to the strawberry. I'm going to do the best to sort of describe the <laughs> illustrations here. Hello, little mouse. What are you doing? Oh, this is interesting. So this is, uh, so I guess we're the narrator talking to this mouse. And so we have this hammock. We have this gnarly root structure with this little door. And this cute mouse is exiting his gnarled treehouse with a ladder. Oh, I see. Are you going to pick that red ripe strawberry? Uh, The mouse is looking very pleased with himself. He has the ladder... (laughs) Uh, up against the strawberry, there's a hammock in the back. And a huge smile. Huge smile. Very pleased. But little mouse, haven't you heard about the big hungry bear? Oop, the mouse is frightened. The mouse is frightened of the big hungry bear. He's up on the ladder looking frightened. Oh, how that bear loves red ripe strawberries. Oh, the mouse is holding, he's hugging the strawberry protectively, shyly. The big hungry bear can smell a red ripe strawberry a mile away. Now this one is this one is there's I don't know exactly. So either the mouse is shaking with fear <laughs> or just trying to shake the strawberry trying to get it down from the the tree. What do you think, mom? Yeah, I guess you know, I never really um I bet I, I, that's a hard one. Maybe he is shaking, but he's also pulling on he's, it. I think he's probably like pulling. It's probably all the things, yeah. Especially one that has just been picked. Whoop. So the, that's what he was doing. He was picking it. So yeah. he, he's down on the ground. He's putting a hand over his mouth, looking frightened still. The strawberry is next to the mouse. Boom, boom, boom. The bear will tromp through the forest on his big, hungry feet and sniff, 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 find the strawberry. The mouse has the strawberry on his back and is sprinting away toward his home. No matter where it is hidden. The mouse has taken a spoon and buried the strawberry in in a mound of dirt. He's sweating with fear and exertion. He's near his his home. Or who is guarding it? Okay, so he he has the strawberry wrapped up in chains like Houdini and is (laughs) is proudly marching around with a golden key. Or how it is disguised. All right, the mouse uh, has a steaming cup of cocoa and is wearing a Groucho Marx disguise uh, with the nose and glasses mustache. The strawberry is also wearing a Groucho Marx disguise. There's a plate of cookies. Uh, maybe it's tea. It's it's tea. The, the mouse has a very nice home, very cozy-looking home. I, I really like it. Quick, there's only one way in the whole wide world to save a red-ripe strawberry from the big hungry bear. Mm, this catches the mouse's interest, who has covered the strawberry in a white and blue <laughs> blanket and is peering out from underneath the blanket. 
cut it in two. Okay, so the mouse is cutting the strawberry in two with a regular human-sized knife. Share half with me. Okay, the mouse is giving you, the narrator, half of the strawberry. And we'll both eat it all up. Yum. The mouse uh, is sitting at a table. He has a bib. There's a candle going. The strawberry top is there, very happily eating the (laughs) strawberry. Now, that's one red ripe strawberry the big hungry bear will never get. I don't... Do you see the mouse? No. I don't know where the mouse is. But the, the table is just covered in strawberry juice. The candles have been snuffed. Maybe we're going to find them. There uh, he is. Here he is. The end. All right, so that hammock we were talking about before is now coming into play. <laughs> the uh, the mouse is giving the okay sign and is wearing the strawberry top as a hat. And his belly is very full. Yes. The end. The end. Thanks, Mom. Well, I liked your commentary with the illustrations. Yeah. You know, I the you got to warm up a little bit. You know, we're warming up here. Yeah. Um. Uh, well, because yeah, this book yeah. is really all about the illustrations. It is, and I it's I don't think there are a lot of books. I'm going to sneeze. Hold on. <coughs> I sneeze a lot whenever I come home. Um, I don't know what the deal is. I sneeze a lot all the time. Um, but um, yeah, it's fun that you, the narrator, are speaking to the mouse, and the mouse is reacting. <laughs> Uh, to the words that you're saying. I think that's super fun. Mm. Yeah. That's a good one. There's one I like too, Ice Mice and Strawberries. Oh, right. That's yeah. a great one. Yeah. We, it's okay. That one I think is very long. It and is it, long. It's in, yeah. There's like a whole epic thing where they get a <laughs> strawberry and they make strawberry ice and you go to the North Pole and you're looking for the ice bear and there's all this, there's just all this stuff and there's a, <laughs> you know, you think someone dies but then they don't die. It's very, it's very long. But uh, that one I liked a lot too. Um. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, I suppose we can begin the sort of final, the final stage of of the cozy zone. You've you've listened to a few. Which which ones have you listened to? Your very first one, mm-hmm. the one with you and Nicolette, mm-hmm. the Tim, mm-hmm. and Joe mm-hmm. and um, Ariana. Mm-hmm. Nice. And uh, I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, that's very nice. And they're very happy you are listening. Um, and, you know, your your iPad and your iPhone make it can make it easy to listen right, if you want. Right, right. You know, subscribe on iTunes. They're on Stitcher. And oh. all, all, any podcatcher, this is really just a plug for, oh. for those listening. Um, but so as you know, so, you know, you you say that you mentioned that I sort of forge my own creative path. You know, that's something that you're proud of me for. Um, and that would not be possible, uh, save for, uh, this very wonderful organization called the cozy zone foundation, um, whose mission is to provide unlimited funds, uh, for an artistic collaboration, um, and I am a, a custodian of these funds, and I, I one of the reasons for this podcast is, of course, to visit people in their cozy zones, but also to be with them to devise uh, an art project together. Uh, and so you and I, you and I have the opportunity now 
to devise an art project. I'm I'm looking intently at your face, trying <laughs> to read it. How do you how do you feel about that? It's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you are you are there any feelings about it? I just don't know yet. I mean, I don't know what this project would be. Okay. Well, I'll. Uh, I have. I have some ideas actually. Right. You know. So I. You know. There is. For me, email has been a, a huge sort of part of my uh, young young adult life. Thinking about email, so you have emailed me uh, nearly every day uh, for years. Uh, and recently, recently, uh, you have stopped upon my request, <laughs> uh, just because, you know, it, it, um, I don't know. I found myself like for, the way that I de- deal with emails often is like, I receive it and I want to give back, uh, the perfect response. Is there any tissue? In the, uh, I just, mine. Uh, I'll just take it for <laughs> we're family, we're family, uh, all right thank you my nose is running okay so you know i feel very i don't know there's like a lot of there's a lot of pressure to write the like most poetic most perfect response uh that's something i put on myself i'm not saying that you impose this but and then if i like didn't have time to respond i would feel guilty um and so anyway just and i was it was unbelievably amazing to sort of have all of these emails and all of this, you know, you would always say, good morning, Ben. It would greet me in the morning. Um, and, uh, you, uh, you know, would always give me a, a big hug and kiss at the end. It was very nice. It was all of this love. It was so kind. And I have literally, I think there are thousands <laughs> of these emails that you wrote me uh, throughout the years. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned before, sort of our, we are in the process of kind of like renegotiating my relationship, that I am in the, the era of uh, Ben as an adult. And, you know, it felt, it was really difficult for me to sort of like reckon with my guilt uh, for not writing back and just sort of trying to like claim my own space. So it was like a really intense thing for me to say, hey, mom, like, listen, I really, I think I need a break from these emails and you were very receptive and I'm really grateful. Um, but I guess, I I mean, I don't know if this is exactly the project, but I just wanted to share with you that your emails along with emails that I get from a lot of other people in my life, uh, hold a very intense place, uh, emotionally in my life. And uh, certainly that inspires, uh, art and there's a, an idea that I have like if I was to write a, a one person show a one man show I think it would be about emails and my relationship with emails and sort of your your emails and uh, to me as like a huge uh, important part of that that show because also I just to say that these emails also document what you're thinking about, what's going on here, what the morning doves are doing, what the weather is like, you know, and they they catalog, they archive what is happening in our lives, which is really special. So that's that's sort of one thing I'm thinking about. Um, also, there's this idea of you know teaching as art form. Uh, there's an idea of like writing like children's books. I don't know if you've ever, excuse me, <laughs> wanted like thought of a children's book you might want to write. 
I, I mean, I do see characters I'd like to write about. You know, Tell me. I mean, just some of our, just even some of our students, are, um, they're just precious. You just, they're just, um, we had one time our center was unbelievably hot. And that particular day, one of these students came, he got dressed himself and decided to wear long underwear and um, with shorts over his long underwear. He was wearing a shorter sleeve shirt, but it was just like, oh my gosh, he reminded me of the male version of Ramona. Okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That kind of a character. So we, um, there are these characters that I, you know, I haven't done anything with yet or anything, but I do think like, oh my goodness, what a great children's book character or, yeah, but I don't have a story and nothing, but I do those sorts of, you know, um, come through. Yeah. Well, and it makes me think of, you know, like, you know, sideways stories from wayside school. Right. So that those books are at least the first one is organized by profiling like each individual student in the particular class. So, I mean, that's like an option, you know what I mean? That's a way to structure it. If you if you don't know the actual story, you know, you can sort of follow, like, each one of these students has a story, just as a thought. Right. Um, but I know, you know, obviously you're thinking a lot about reading, you're thinking a lot about dyslexia, you're thinking a lot about you know, the, the particular methodology that you use to teach reading uh, to students with d- dyslexia, you know? Well, see, another thing I'm thinking is a space, mm. you know, to create a space, mm-hmm. which would be, you know, I don't know, but something ar- artistically mm-hmm. done that is conducive to learning, but to... Um, I mean, so that's, you know, that's, that's great. That's let's, let's follow that a little bit. So what, like, what kind of elements would this space need? What, what would you need to inspire learning? Like what, or what, you know, what would you need? What would you want? Well, I like, we have, you know, these tiny rooms that you saw. Yep. Yep. And that we would keep, but I'm just thinking of like in the entryway, you know, um, you know, some kind of, you know, like the walls were painted, even the walls in the, in the classrooms, if they were painted Mm -hmm. a a different color, Mm -hmm. um, you know, some of our public spaces, like our library, because it went for the kids, they need a quiet, you know, the room needs to be, um, visually quiet. Right. Right. But in some of these other areas, like the front room where they come in, um, or our library, it would be great to have, I don't know. Um, like a mural? Yeah, something. Mm-hmm. You know, something. Um, and it could deal with books and reading. And um, and then if we move to a brand new space, you know, just start completely fresh. Yeah, with, this is the idea, yeah. yeah. Um, um, and I don't know if we probably wouldn't have windows in the rooms because that's distracting, but... The to have maybe a skylight oh. or something like that, so there's natural yeah. light, but you wouldn't be discri- distracted, distracted by sort of whatever is going on outside. That's a great idea. Yeah, and you like little cozy rooms, right? Because it it really does lend itself to learning, mm-hmm. and um, at least it's working. Yeah, but that you know to expand the front area and then also the um, seating area for parents. Mm-hmm. You know to have. 
Um, yeah, like a nice waiting area. It feels like you would want some sort of food or some sort of like, I don't know, buffet or something right. like that. It's just that the philosophy is not to have food. Why? Because of allergies. Okay, but let's say... Wait, uh, For kids, anyways. Um, but then it, it costs money. Of course, we don't. money is no object. But this is what I'm saying. Yeah. So so we're like sort of dreaming through so this thing So that to have coffee. Yeah, wouldn't it be nice? I mean, why not? I mean, it'd be nice... Coffee, tea, and cookies. Yeah, but like why? I mean, I don't know. Like a lot of these, a lot of the families have varying levels of of need, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just feels like it would be really nice to provide like really delicious, healthy, beautiful meals for people if they wanted. Hmm. And they're there for an hour. Well... <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you make a, a you know, but like it it seems like it would be Well, what's neat is because they do come during the dinner hour. Yeah. So but to have a little snack. Yeah, have a snack or, you know. Yeah. You could stay for dinner and then I don't know, would there it would do you need to get out of there so fast? I mean, I guess people need to get on with their lives, but But I, you know, Well, I'm, but it would be neat to have Something once a month, yeah, or you know, twice a year, mm-hmm. or something where you could have a a social type thing. Yeah, and I mean, I'm thinking about would it be nice to have some sort of performance or some sort of art making activity, some sort of community building thing, just to you know to celebrate the fact that you know this isn't like a shameful thing, mm-hmm. like that that this is a beautiful. A beautiful thing that people are are committed to learning and committed to overcoming challenges that they've experienced, you know. So, if we had our own building, yeah, we where, let's say we have our own building, then that's the sort of thing we could do. Because, see, right now we have some families that come Monday, Wednesday, some Tuesday, Thursday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it would be great if we had a building. Then on a Saturday or a Friday night, mm-hmm. we could have. A social gathering mm-hmm. where you could have, um, you know, performance yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. That's very cool. It'd be great. Yeah. And mm-hmm. food. Right. Right, 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 right. We could serve food. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think, you know, you might, and we can take a look at the, the library too. Like that could be quite a magical place. You know what I mean? Like. Right. I mean, so that the library could serve as a a performance space. Okay, yeah. So sort of this magic is is kept amongst the books. And it feels like, you know, there's a the the particular program that you work with has different levels, right? And I wonder I wonder I don't know if this is is weird, but like create it so that once you reach a different level you have access to books and like there's like they're on some sort of mechanical thing so that the shelves sort of like uh, magically appear or rise out of the walls or rise up i don't know if that's exciting or scary but that's just something i'm thinking about hmm. is there i mean is there any is there any uh see it i mean it's an interesting idea it's just that these kids even if they're at level one some of them can actually read. They can. Yeah. Yeah. So, that it's, it's, um, so maybe not. So not, not so much that, but... <clears throat> but um, like, I mean, I don't know, like are there, I, I guess like I'm just trying to think of like 
creating opportunities for adventure and like secret passageways or like there's some way to like earn access to different areas to you know again sort of add to the the magic and celebratory nature of seeking Mm. learning yeah i mean i i think um I don't know. It sounds like maybe not. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, but I do like the idea of a social hall or Mm -hmm. a social room Mm -hmm. or a multi-purpose room Mm -hmm. and um, with like a sink and um, maybe even a stove or something for, to cook. I don't know if we would cook for them. Probably yeah, probably not. In. You'd probably, I mean, and we, you know, you can, th- this can be like real nice, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. we have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So we could have a real nice, like, s- kitchen, you know? Right. Not just a little sink and a little burner. But, um, oh, but yeah, I mean, to have that kind of a space and to be able to, you know, just like when we passed that park yesterday and they had the, I could see people oh, yeah. meeting, they, yeah. you know, to have a social hall like that or, you know, where people can, meet um because there are parents that really do crave this being able to talk to other parents of course yeah um, so to have that opportunity and that um and even for parents to organize it and we would just be there to you know unlock the door and yeah supervise you know like be available if they need us Mm -hmm. but that it would be their their space to um um so, uh, yeah, no, I like that a lot. It's just you know a really lovely space that, um, and it would be like a brand new building, you know, probably just one floor mm-hmm. to have the skylights mm-hmm. in those rooms, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and then you know, the walls painted certain colors, mm-hmm. and, and the um, nice mural in the public areas. Mm-hmm. Do you have a idea of what you would want to call this space? Mm. Sally's space? Um, well, I guess it, it would be like learning center or um, I don't know, some kind of center. Okay. Um, um, the center for... Center for Reading, Center for Learning, Center for Reading Fun, Center Community Center, the Reading Community Center, Learning Community Center. Oh, those are good. Which one? Either one. Reading Community Center, Learning Community, probably Reading Community Center. Reading Community Center. Hmm. I I guess, yeah. Is there any anything we can do to jazz it up a little? Reading is good. Reading fun. Kids first. Reading first. Um, I don't know. Um, reading first. No. Um, reading out loud. Uh, I don't know. You have to think because titles take a while. No, yeah, but we—that's what we do. We sit in it. We <laughs> come up with something right here in the zone. This is the this is the fun torture. 
of, of the creative process. Mm. Or reading community, the RCC. <laughs> oh. Reading what? Yeah, that's nice. You, RCC. you like reading community what? center. Well, I mean, I like the RCC. That's really cool. Do we want to like, do we want to call it like Wisconsin? Do, does, it, does it have to be in Wisconsin? Does it have to be in Wisconsin? Yeah, would you like it to be in Wisconsin? Probably. Well, so I could get to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, do you want the Wisconsin? Oh, unless you want to call it the International Reading <laughs> yeah. International Reading Community Center? Yeah, no. Um, that's not the Rick Reading International. The RCC, the Reading Community Center. Why not? I like the RCC. I think you do like, yeah. All right, let's 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 go for it. Okay. Great. Phew. We did it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you, you've lived in Wisconsin your entire life. Have you ever lived anywhere else? Nope. What's your favorite part of Wisconsin? Hmm. Um, well, I like where I'm living. Mm-hmm. I do like Door County. Mm-hmm. What's Door County? What is Door County? Yeah. How would you describe Door County to someone who... Well, some people describe it as like the Midwest version of Cape Cod. Okay. But it's um, a very quaint, old community um, on both um, Green Bay and Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, the natural parts are beautiful. Yeah. It's good for bike riding. And we've been there. Uh, we would go camping there as a mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. Since I was very, very little. Mm-hmm. That's sort of where I discovered, like, live theater. Right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that was very magical. Yeah. Day. Yeah. Um, yeah, we spent many times in a tent with the rain. Yeah. <laughs> it was very nice. Very cozy. I I loved that. It's another cozy zone. It is. Um, and, I don't know, I have, I mean... It's interesting, having lived in Wisconsin almost all my life. Of course, actually, a very pretty spot, too, is up in Boulder Junction. Um, that's where Camp Manitowish is. Okay. Is that in Wisconsin? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's very lovely, the North Woods. Mm-hmm. So, um, I do like Madison. Mm-hmm. And I like the natural. See, I, I'm pretty much into the nature aspects mm-hmm. of Wisconsin. So... so- Maybe we would also want to make sure this reading community center was very like cabin esque and had stickly furniture, mm. and you know wouldn't that be and like all made of big wooden logs and sort of feel like a cabin. And we're they're surrounded by trees. Yeah, that'd be nice. Oh, and we're right near a brook or yeah. a, a lake. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Some nice flowers, nice landscaping. Natural. Yeah. Natural landscaping. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Well, that'd be very soothing. Yeah. That would be great. Great place to go to work every day. I know. Yeah. It's mm. the dream. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any questions for me? Mm, I don't think so. All right. Well, I think this has been very nice. Great. Um, any any final, final words for our Cozy Zone friends? I love you, Ben. I love you too, Mom. <laughs> thank you for thank you for doing this. I, you, uh, you. I think you didn't want to do this, and what 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 changed your mind? What? Oh no, I never. Said you I never. Did, huh? I never said I didn't want to do this. Oh no. No, you just didn't want to do That's it. That's right. I guess that was me. 
right? It was a little fraught <laughs> last time, but I think we're working. We're working on it here. Uh, yeah. Well, that's all right. Sorry, that's okay. I miss. I miss uh, it represented. No, that's true. I was gonna. We were gonna do it, but then <laughs> then we got in a fight. Then life got in the way. Life got in the way. Yeah. But here we are back again, <laughs> rocking and rolling. It's a beautiful day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We've got some great children's books. Reading Community Center. <laughs> That's right. Very good. That's very nice. Yeah, you like that. Huh? Yeah. We did it. We did it. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Well, um, we uh, traditionally end with like a little song. We make up a song, sing together, or just oh. make some sort of joyful noise together. Oh. Um, there's all sorts of ways to do this. You can start. I can start. We can sing an old favorite. Is there, is there an old song that we used to sing? Hmm. I used to sing to you uh, when you were a baby, mm-hmm. but I don't know. What, what would you sing to me? Um, I don't know if it's what it's called, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. Great. Should we sing that? <laughs> Do you know that song? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Swing low, sweet chariot, come and forth and carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. If you get there before I do, coming for to carry me home. Tell all my friends I'm coming home soon, coming home to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home. Swing, swing low, that's right. Sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home. Thanks, Mom. Thank you, Ben. Cozy zone. Bye, honey. Goodbye. See you right after this. <laughs> Are intimately finding our peaceful cozy zone. And Ben, he interviews friends. It's awkward and then it's cozy zone. Occasionally it's a lovely thing to be nosy in somebody's cozy zone. So please. Snuggle up sweet A beautiful thing It's cozy zone